Hi everyone uh, welcome to another episode of my podcast we have a very special guest today all the way from perth australia we have andrew the shark carter hi andrew hey thanks for having me on the show today <laughs> yeah it's nice to see you uh, so how are you doing we well, are considering all the craziness that's going on in the world today uh, actually not too bad we're um pretty lucky to be where we are in perth western australia there's not that many coronavirus cases here yeah. um the lockdown restrictions the ease a little bit here so uh things are starting to get slowly back to normal over here which is which is a good sign right so uh you know this uh, pandemic is what it it really hit all the all the shows all the wrestling all the music and everything right so when was your last i know that before the pandemic you were sort of sort of deciding on sort of retiring on from wrestling right yeah so unfortunately i've had a few concussions in my time uh, i've been wrestling for 15 years now and um right. you know, the first couple times it would happen you know, the recovery rate was very quickly um but i actually was finishing up last year and i had a a show in queensland which is on the other side of australia where i'm based and then the very next week i was in south korea to do a show over there Right. Um the show in Queensland however I got a really bad concussion and at the time it wasn't too bad like I got hit on the head the guy came off the top rope like a moonsault and landed body first like on top of my head um and I just thought oh like it's another concussion I'll get through the match I'll be okay so I finished up that match but directly after myself and Chris Target had to do a tag team match and I was all over the place like if you talk to Target about it you know i was like just randomly tagging in i didn't know what i was doing i was just like throwing everything out you know at the kitchen sink and i was i was really not in a good place um so after the show you know like i put the water over my head i went outside tried to get some air and usually it only takes like an hour or two to sort of you know get over those symptoms but they continued all throughout the night right. um and the flight back to perth the next day was just horrible it was a 5 hour flight um like i said other side of australia and like my head was just killing me So I went to the the hospital straight away to get checked out and they were just saying like you know, you've had so many concussions the more and more that you get um the more sort of impact it has on you and this one actually lasted right up until the next match in Korea and I almost wasn't able to perform over there but um I thought this could be the last time so um yeah we had a really good match over there in Korea got through that okay and I thought I'll probably wrap things up you know early this year in Australia but when the coronavirus hit all the shows got canceled everything sort of just stopped in its place so um i never really got that that farewell right. match so it's it's still kind of there like people have asked me about it and like i don't want to say yes or no because i don't want to be that wrestler that's like no i'm retired and then you know you go back that. into it so i'll i'll say never say never but at the moment i i consider myself semi retired from at least yeah. in ring performing right so <clears throat> So this gives a perspective like people think or oh, wrestling is just just fake and it's not it's this it's not real but there's lot there's real danger right of all these three all these moves that you do Oh absolutely I mean you know wrestling is entertainment first but traditionally the stuff that comes in the ring comes from judo and amateur wrestling so a lot of the throws a lot of the slams all the holds are actually legitimate you know takedowns and holds that happen in the ring so 
it's just kind of evolved from, you know, one-on-one on the mat to like the wrestling ring to making a bit more showboating. So there's a lot more entertainment, but the core of wrestling is still based off wrestling and judo. And so, you know, it only takes a few wrong hits to the head or, you know, getting slammed wrong or, you know, something to happen that it right. causes a lot of injuries. So even though it is entertainment, there is a lot of risk to what the guys do out there. Right. So Andrew, <clears throat> can you tell me a little bit about your like your childhood and then how do you got interested in wrestling? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's kind of funny because wrestling sort of happened twice for me to jump onto it. The first time, I didn't really acknowledge it too much, but I'll I'll give you a bit of a background story first. So I was born here in Perth, uh, but my dad used to work for Mars Chocolates, so he was the general manager and he actually got promoted a fair bit. So. We ended up moving from Perth to Melbourne. Mm. So I lived in Melbourne for a little bit. And then when I was about seven years old, we actually moved to Singapore. Uh, I lived in Singapore for five years and then we're in Thailand for two years. Um, so I, I kind of got to travel a lot when I was a, a child, which is really cool because it kind of prepared me for wrestling and experiencing different cultures and things like that. But the first time I saw wrestling was probably in Singapore. It was about 97. Mm. I think I came across and I thought it was really interesting. But both of my parents were like, nah, nah, don't, don't watch wrestling. It's, it's not real. It's, it's boring. You won't like it. So I kind of just you know, pushed it to the side. Didn't really think too much of it. But a couple of years later, uh, we're looking more about 99 now, the end of 99. I was bored one night just flicking through the channels and all of a sudden The Rock came on. And The Rock's cutting this promo. And he's talking about playing the smackdown on this jabroni and he's going to throw Triple H through this wall. And I was like, what is this all about? So... The Rock caught my attention and I was waiting the whole show just to see this match with Rock and Triple H. It was just a normal like Monday Night Raw, but the finish was, you know, The Rock was up and I was like, yeah, he's going to win this. And then DX came out and they attacked The Rock and there was a four-on-one beatdown. And I was like, what is going on? Somebody has to help him. Like, what's going on? And then Vince was like the baby face at the time and then he turned on The Rock as well. And I was like, oh my God, like, I cannot believe what's going on. And I was just hooked. From that moment, it was that that very night that I watched every single show after that. So every week it was Raw, SmackDown, whatever I could get my hands on. Um, and I was just a wrestling fan since then. Right. And um, there was always a thought in the back of my mind that maybe one day I will do this. But I actually had a, a pretty lucrative soccer career. I was actually a very good soccer player. And I actually signed on to be part of Perth Glory, which is a, a team over here in Australia. I was a part of their development system. Right. And uh, so everybody had very high hopes of me becoming a soccer player. But unfortunately, I, I lost my passion for it because I was just so hooked on wrestling. So when I was 16, I had to make the hard decision of telling my parents that I'm giving up this lucrative soccer career to uh, enter the world of professional wrestling. And uh, I don't think anyone was too pleased with that decision, to be honest. But uh, it's been a hell of a ride since then. <clears throat> yeah, so you, you saw Rock uh, like first, but who are the other sort of key wrestlers when when you really got you interested yeah so when i really got into it it was um the peak of the attitude era so it was in that time it was the rock the undertaker triple h um sean michaels it was those kind of guys that were there that really captivated me into what was going on and of course i think stone cold just uh broke his neck at the time so i was like starting to get on the austin bandwagon and then he was out for a while Right. So, like, I went straight to Rock, and um, when Austin came back, that was kind of like the peak for me of, of, like, all the guys that I really enjoyed watching. 
when did you first saw a live wrestling match um i think it was actually about 2001 it was just after wcw closed and there was actually a big tour that was put together here in australia um at the time you probably wouldn't have thought too much of it but looking back it was actually a really stacked card mm. um i know aj styles was on the show he was actually opening up um the show and at the time like nobody knew who aj styles was but it was headlined by scott steiner and jeff jarrett um, and one of the australian stars called nathan jones he was a part of the that show as well before he got his wwe shot and it was actually quite a big show they put this big tour together and it was at the um the perth arena here and like it sold out so it was quite a big show so my first wrestling event was actually not a wwe show but the company was called wwa I think it was mm. World Wrestling All-Stars. They did a, a couple of series of pay-per-view reviews just after WCW closed, but nothing really came of it. But that was my first show that I ever attended. Right. So how did you get into the actual wrestling? So is it, did it start in school? Or? Yeah, so after I made the decision that I didn't want to play soccer anymore and I wanted to get into wrestling, I would have been about 15 years old. And... my parents did everything to try and get me away from wrestling but once i was hooked like that's what i was going to do so um my dad actually made me a deal he goes okay what we're going to do is i want you to do amateur wrestling first because at least that way you know you can protect yourself if anything happens and you have a little bit of a background in in wrestling mm. so i started doing the the Kurt Angle wrestling from the olympics um and basically a deal was made that my dad said if i could win a state gold medal that he would pay for my training to go wherever school i wanted to to go and wrestle and um so obviously that gave me a lot of ambition a lot of motivation to uh to try and win so not only did i win one medal but i went back the next year and became a two-time gold medalist and uh at that point i finally hit 18 so i was allowed to finally start into professional wrestling right so after that um yeah the I won those medals so my dad had to fulfill his promise and the school I wanted to go to was Lance Storm School in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Right. So how I mean how we how why did you decided on Lance Storm? Uh so at the time this would have been around 2008 now. Um there was a couple of different schools I was looking at. The first one was Dory Funk School in Florida. Um the second was the Dudley Boys school I believe they've just opened up or were about to open up and then there was Lance Storm. So I was kind of looking at what was the best option, you know, after training because I wanted to get straight on the independent scene after that. The only issue I had with the American schools was trying to get the visas hmm. for them like the visa to get to America was really really difficult. They only last about 3 months. Um you know, if you go on like a tourist visa. So by the time I would have finished training I would have had to come straight back to Australia and wouldn't have had a chance to to do much but with Canada they had a really good relationship with Australia so I was able to get a working visa that lasted up to a year right. so I thought well if I can base myself in Canada at that time by the time I finish uh training at Lance's which is only about 3 months um I'll be able to go to the states and Canada and go back and forth and work the independence there for a little bit longer before I had to come home so I was looking big picture and so in the end that was kind of what did it but obviously as well Lance at that time as well 2008 he was still in amazing shape he was I mean he he couldn't still wrestle but he decided to open a school and wants to be home with his family and more so I thought from an experience point of view being in the ring with someone like that every day was very unique while a lot of other schools the trainers tend to sort of sit on the outside 
and they kind of watch and critique. But Lance was always in the ring with us. Um, and that was, I think, what made his school stand out. So that's why I wanted to go there. Right. So, so how's the feeling like, you know, wrestling with Lance? <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a bit of a starstruck experience the first time, you know, because um, a lot of people, when they break into wrestling, they have like a local trainer and they train with that guy. And then it's years before they meet someone that was either in the WWE or like had some success in wrestling. So, you know, for me to go there without having any wrestling experience, right. um, you know, walking in, seeing him, it was a bit, you know, I was a bit taken back. It was a bit of a starstruck uh, experience at first because he actually picked me up from the airport as well. I think he does that with all these international students. So I just got off this long plane flight from Perth. You know, I'm tired and exhausted. And I look in the corner and this guy's got his big cap on and his big jack dude. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's Lance. I better go introduce myself. And, you know, Lance is a very serious and a very, um, I guess, like private person. He's not very, you know, um, talkative. So the car ride was really awkward. Like I'm trying to get to know him and he's giving me like one word answers. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be really hard to break his shell. Um, but, you know, I, I was still excited. I was like, man, I'm here. Like this is happening. So it's just, there was a lot of emotions going on at that time when I first met Lance. Right. Uh, you mentioned Dudley Boys School. I, I assume there will be a lot of tables, right? <laughs> I would assume so, yeah. <laughs> that, that was one of the reasons why I was like, I don't know, you know, that wouldn't be fun day one being put through a table. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after the training, so what happened after after getting the training from Lance? Yeah, so after that, it was it was time to explore the independent scene. So I really didn't know where to go from there. Um, it was just asking a lot of people, but thankfully having Lance's name attached to us was a huge way to open the door. You know, you've got so many promotions and so many wrestlers in America and Canada um, that they get, you know, resumes sent every day. But when you go, hey, I was trained by Lance Storm, I'm from Australia, like I'm here you kind of stand out for the crowd a little bit. So I knew marketing myself as the Australian that was overseas that just came from Lance's was going to get my foot in the door. Um, and again, being in Canada for a while, there's a couple of promotions that I did stuff there for, but I wanted to do more and more as, as, get as much experience as I could in the short time that I was there for. So I sent my resume off to a lot of companies in the States. And actually at the time, the American Wrestling Association which I thought was the original AWA, but it turns out it quite wasn't. Um, they offered me to come in and, and do some stuff with those guys. Mm. So after Lance's, I actually went to Wisconsin and uh, we did like a mini tour with the AWA, worked with a few of their affiliate promotions. Um, and then it was just branching out. And, you know, once promoters saw what I was able to do and other talent that I worked with was able to, you know, offer... Um, their knowledge to the other promoters to get me booked in other places. It kind of just spread from there. So I had some really good matches straight out of the school, which I was really lucky to get. And, you know, caught the eye of a few people. And it went from, you know, having one show here to going, hey, we've actually got another show tomorrow if you can make it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's just networking, branching out, and, and the show just opened up from there. Right. <clears throat> I, I, read, I read one of your Shark Tale posts, uh, one of your blogs, uh, where you talk about like you know touring in us it's how challenging it is to go to all these shows like can you tell me a little bit about this uh, you know how how is like you know wrestling scene in in the us 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very unique because you've got the really small independents that, you know, maybe there's 20 or 30 people there. And right. then you've got the other ones where there's a couple thousand people there. So like there's a big mixture of companies. Um, but the great thing about the States is there's just so many independent companies that are going that there's, there's shows on all the time, basically. Right. So like I said, I went in there originally just with a Friday night booking and I thought, oh, that's, that's me done for the week. And then all of a sudden that turned into, you know, Saturday and then a double shot on Sunday. And then, you know, again, going on to next week. Um, so there was always something happening and it was, yeah, it just really opened the door to, to get to so many different places. But there's so many, you know, legends and old timers that are still active in the independent scene over there. Right. So like I said, you know, one of my first tours with the AWA, you know, I was, I was sitting in a bus with Larry Zabisco and Waddell Walker and a couple other guys that were a oh, honky tonk man. Right. You know, these kind of guys that I watched back on TV in the day and they were on the tour with us, bus with us. So it was really exciting experience to be a part of that as well. <clears throat> so the, so those mainstream uh, wrestlers, when they sort of leave WWE or they sort of end up in this independent scene, right? Yeah. It's, Cause I think to the, the casual wrestling fan, they generally think, oh, it's WWE and that's, that's all there is. Right. Um, when you start getting into wrestling, you realize there's, there's actually so much more opportunity for wrestlers. It's not just WWE. You know, there's New Japan. There's, you know, AEW now, Ring of Honor, you know, Impact Wrestling, House of Hardcore. Like, there's all these promotions that are up and running. And there's also smaller ones as well. Um, you know, and again, so normally if someone's in WWE for so long uh, and they get released or they leave for whatever reason, there's, there's so much out there where you can leave WWE after five years and still work in the wrestling industry and still make good money, right. you know, until you're ready to retire. So, so Andrew, when this, when, when did you come up with this Monica, the the shark? Well, it's actually stolen from my dad. He was uh, a football player here in Australia when he was um, when he was younger, and that was his nickname. His nickname was Sharky. Right. Um, so when I was trying to come up with a name, uh, I was stuck for a while, and my dad was like, "Well, hey, you can have my old nickname, and it's kind of perfect for what you're doing. You know, you're this Australian." You're going overseas. What does everybody fear in Australia? You know, it's spiders and, and sharks, you know, because there's so many sharks here in the ocean. Right. And I was like, that's perfect, you know, because people want to fear you. And, um, yeah, so I, I kind of started off just as the shark. Um, and then over time, I started using my real name. So it's Andrew Shark Carter. Um, but, yes, that's, that's sort of how that came together. It's just basically taking bits of what people feared in Australia most and applying it to the, the wrestling character. Right. <clears throat> so um, after t- getting the Lance uh, training and then doing wrestling in the US, when did you like came back to Australia? Were you active in the Australian scene? Yeah, so where I'm from in Perth, um, there wasn't much wrestling really going on at that time. So, you know, again, I had to wait for my visa because like the visa ran out, which is why I had to come back to Australia. Mm. And so I was like, well, I might have to just save up and then go, but what am I going to do in the meantime? So I actually put together my own promotion and um, started teaching other guys what I learned when I was overseas. So I opened up a wrestling school in my area. Um, and basically, yeah, I started a company called All Action Wrestling, which was just going to be a training school. But like once I had enough guys ready that were, were good, we started putting on little shows. And originally it was just going to be a little thing to keep me busy until I went back to the States. But it yeah. ended up growing in, in popularity quite well. So uh, it went from like a training school to 
an independent promotion to a company working with like ex WWE talent and, and trying to take Australian wrestling to, to the next level. Right. And I, I, I heard that you actually organized the show, promoted the show for Raven, right? You bought Raven? Yeah, yeah. So it all started in a kind of crazy way. We just purchased a steel cage. And I was trying to come up with ways that we could, you know, sell the steel cage match and make it sound really exciting. So my idea was to try and get guys that have had cage matches to cut promos to basically how dangerous the cage match is and create some interest online. Right. So I reached out to a few people, they cut some promos. Raven ended up cutting this really, really good promo for the cage match. And um, it wasn't just a, hey, I'll do a promo for you and that's it. He was actually quite interested to see how it went and, and how the match was and how the guys went with it. So he took a lot of interest in the show and eventually he goes, hey, if you want, um, I'm finishing up with TNA pretty soon. I'd love to come out and you know, maybe run some seminars to teach you guys some more, but also do the show for you. And I thought, you know, that's a really good opportunity to, to jump on because he was still quite a, a big name at that time as well. And it was a good test to see you know, how Americans would go over in Australia. Like, I knew they'd be popular, but would anybody find out? Would anyone believe us that Raven's coming to town? Like, so it was a very interesting thing to see how it was going. So we're doing shows, maybe drawing about 100, 150 people early on. We brought Raven in, not knowing what to expect. And we ended up selling out that building that we usually run from, which was this big sort of basketball hall, and end up bringing about 500 people in for that night, which was like a big shock for us and again at the time uh, i was just an amateur promoter really because i'm still finding my feet learning about the business right and um hopefully he was able to you know give us some more tips on how to promote things for the future and and things like that so it wasn't just a, a match it was actually a really big experience to have him come in for us yeah i mean i i read that you i read your article on that and you said that you have to like bring all the chairs from the back backstage because you didn't have enough chairs for the crowd, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wild. Like, you know, it's a, the, the poor guys in the locker room are sitting around, the, you know, in the big circle with all the chairs. And, you know, the referees are coming running up. Like, we need more chairs. We need more chairs. So, like, everyone's giving up their seats, you know, like we're passing out, like, another 30 chairs. And then we went to the back, which had... um. It was like a swimming pool that was attached to it. And we just took every chair that we could find and like bring it out just to try and get enough chairs in there. It was, it was wild, but it was a good wild. It was like, yes, like this is a success. Right. <clears throat> so uh, you, uh, when I saw you here in Vanilla, uh, you were with uh, you, your duo. You, have, you, you call yourself Australian Dynasty, right? You and Chris Target. So yeah, yeah. when did you met? When did you met with Chris Target and when did this Australian dynasty concept uh, began? Yeah, so it actually, it sort of started behind the scenes a long time before we brought it um, to TV. So when I was running my school at, at AEW, Chris Target was one of the guys that, that came in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, that's too water. He was um, one of the first guys that came in that really stood out we always have the people that come in saying, you know, this is my dream to be a wrestler and blah, blah, blah. We hear it all the time. They take a couple bumps in the ring and then they decide it's not for them. But Chris Target was one of those guys that he would never say no. He was always there every training session. 
It was always packing down, setting up the ring. Like he did everything he needed to do, um, you know, when you first break into the business. So that, that caught my eye at first. And he had a lot of raw potential, but he was still trying to come out of his shell because he was still quite young at the time. Um, so I kind of took him under my wing and he was my very first uh, person that I mentored in the business. So I took extra interest in making sure that you know, he was going to be a success. So um, our friendship sort of grew from there. So it didn't just become, he came to training. Like we ended up riding together, going to the gym together. Um, so we sort of did everything together. We are basically like wrestling married, um, you know, because we're always together, always training, always doing everything. And uh, after a while, it's like, you know, we're such good friends. We have such good chemistry. We should just start tagging and, um, and do that. Because at the time I was in the main event picture for, for a while. So I was trying to figure out a way to get myself out of the main event to, to freshen up, mm. freshen up the scene. And I was like, hey, we can really boost the other guys in the tag division by getting together. And um, so obviously you want to test out that theory first. So we had a few matches and it ends up having some really good tag matches together. So we ended up continuing on like that. But the way it was formed was actually a really cool, cool moment. We had uh, Buff Bagwell, who was in WCW. He was actually working the show. Mm. And the storyline there was that uh, we were scheduled to have a match, but he had all this respect for me that he didn't want to wrestle against me. He wanted to team up with me to take on um, the Western Kingdom, which was Killer, Marco, uh, a few of the guys that you would have seen in the Philippines as well. Right. And uh, Buff ended up turning on me. Uh, he beats me up in the ring. They all join him and jump him, and, and Target came out with the chair for the save. And then that night, the Australian Dynasty was born. It was... Right. Uh, Tiger and I versus Bagwell and Killer. We picked up the big win over them. And yeah, from then on, we started tagging more constantly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys are like, um, I, I really like when you guys are together because you're really <laughs> of a real tag team. <laughs> yeah, well, because we're, we're different to a lot of people too because we still come from that the old school mentality of like, you, know, you keep going, you know, you don't right. give up. You just you can everything you can. So we're always very different to um, a lot of the new guys that came in. And I think it, that came across to the fans when they see us perform because it is real. There's genuine chemistry there. Uh, you know, we just work so well together that, you know, I think the fans see straight away, like, that, you know, we are good friends and it shows in the ring and everything's just so smooth and it just, right. it just works so well. Right. <clears throat> so, I, uh, Andrew, I see, I saw in your Facebook profile, you had, uh, you had, photos event uh, photos of like Rob Van Dam and then Alberto Del Rio were you able to wrestle with them yeah yeah so they were they were one of the biggest um some of the biggest matches I've been a part of in my career see like personally I love the match with RVD um you know because RVD was someone that I watched again as a kid so to, right. to share the ring with him and you know he could still go man like he was <laughs> on fire that night and we just had a really good match. Um, from a business standpoint, the match with Del Rio was probably one of the biggest um, and most important of my career because we were the main event for a show and it was the first time uh, for the company that we we're gonna go to a really large arena. So we ended up going to this place called the Mike Barnett Sports Complex, which holds mm. a couple thousand people. It's got huge grandstands. Um, and Del Rio was fresh off his WWE run. So he just finished the feud with CM Punk. He was literally just the WWE champion like in January. And then he left like a month later. So he was still one of the hottest attractions in wrestling. So we right. thought like this is going to be another huge gamble like Raven was. But if we bring this guy in, 
you know, he was the former WWE champion. He's, he's fresh off TV. Like, it's going to do really good business. And, yeah, we ended up having a massive night that night. There was a couple thousand people um, that came to do that show. So, like, the floors were sold out. The grandstands were sold out. Um, so it was just a really magical night um, all around. So from a, you know, a business standpoint, that's my favorite match. But personally, the match with RVD, I had so much more um, connection to that one in a sense. So, yeah, they're both very important matches for me. Because RVD is always on the ropes, right? <laughs> oh, man, he's, he's nonstop. Yeah, he's... <laughs> the scariest thing I've ever witnessed was watching the five-star frog splash uh, on top of me because he gets some height with that, you know? So I'm watching him come off the top and he just zooms up in the air and I was like, this is going to hurt. And, you know, RVD is actually... He's a pretty big boy. He's about, you know, 270, I think, at the time. So that came crashing down on top of me and I was like, well... That was fun, but uh, this hurts. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Andrew, uh, one main thing for the wrestlers, one important thing for the wrestlers is the, the entrance music, right? So, uh, yeah. what did you use? I don't, I don't exactly remember what you used in the Philippines. What, do you, what sort of songs did you use in your career as entrance songs? Yeah, well, I noticed that um, a lot of people were just using like theme music that was sort of like mainstream. Mm. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. So I actually had a friend of mine in the United States that's, that does rapping. So I actually had him put together like a custom theme song for me. So he actually took some of like um, some songs that I was very fond of. He rapped over the top of it. So it was still a mixture of like that mainstream song, but like just twisted with my own lyrics. So right. it just felt a bit more special when, you know, you come into the ring and songs actually you know, about you and your character. Right. Um, so every time I got a new theme song after that, I always had him like record something for it and, and be a part of it. So it's just right. something to stand out and be different as well. Right. But uh, from the mainstream, like wrestlers, what, what's your like favorite theme uh, entrance music of the other wrestlers? Like, oh, man, is, you know, there's a few, I mean, like, for me, it's again, it's the songs that take me back to my childhood. Like when the glass breaks, you know, you know, Stone Cold coming out. So that song was just, you know, always got you really hyped up. Or when the Undertaker's gong hit and then that slow music, right. you know, kind of walks like it's it's those kind of theme music that just like stick with you, you know. And of course, like who doesn't like to dance around to Shawn Michaels' song, you know, like <laughs> yeah, Shawn Michaels, then also Hulk Hogan, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, like when you go in the shower and you're dancing to the Shawn Michaels song, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's that, that best song. With Undertaker, actually, I really loved when, I mean, a lot of people don't like him in that era where, where when he was like American badass, like he, he comes in his yeah. motorbike with Limbiscuit playing, rolling, you know, yeah. to Limbiscuit. It, it was really <laughs> awesome. Very American feel, right? That character at that oh, point really was like yeah. very badass American. So... <laughs> Because at first I was I was in that same boat. I wasn't sure because I was so used to the you know the scary slow walking Undertaker, and then he comes this like biker all of a sudden. He's riding yeah. his bike and he's moving really fast. So it, it took me a little bit to get used to it, but the theme song I think really put it over. You know, Limp Biscuits rolling. Yeah, you know, I was yeah. like, man, this is actually you know pretty cool. And then he had like the Kid Rock American Badass. Um, yeah, so he had some good songs as well to fit the the change of his character. Yeah. But were it you, goes to show how important your know, theme music is. Yeah. So were you able to see Undertaker live? Yeah, I was actually at um, WrestleMania. 
Oh, I can't remember the number because it, it was a while ago, but it was like Rock and Cena was the main, and then I saw CM Punk and Undertaker live um, from that that WrestleMania, and that was that was phenomenal. Just his entrance, you know, alone. Like when the fire comes up, you know, it's like you feel the heat from the flames, and like there's smoke everywhere, and it's that slow, methodical right. walk, and it's just his entrance is just worth the price of admission alone. Right. <clears throat> um. <clears throat> So you you wrestled in in Canada in US and then uh, in Australia and then what other countries did you wrestle? Uh, so I wrestled in Malaysia, South Korea, and the Philippines with the other the other countries. <laughs> right. So how did the Philippine? Uh, I mean, you 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 work with PWR the the promotion here, so you you you're part of that show. So how did that happen? How did you get connected with PWR? Well, su- surprisingly, it was actually through um, Julio and Marco because they're both Filipino. Right. And um, they wanted to, to go back home to, to visit family. And um, I always told guys, like, if you're going to go travel, you should see if there's wrestling companies there and, you know, at least, you know, make the trip worth it as well. So they were telling me, yeah, there's like a company like PWR and like I've sent them some stuff off and, you know, like maybe we'll hear back from you. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that's really cool. Like didn't really think too much of it. And the promoter actually got back to us. Um, and in the past, when promoters send messages like this, it sounded like there was no chance that we're going to be on these shows because they were saying, Hey, like, you know, we're interested, but like, we've got a lot of shows coming up that are like already fully booked. Mm. So, um, you know, we'll keep in touch. So I thought, oh, that's not going to happen. Like we're not, we're not going to be going over there. Um, but they were like, no, like we should, we should keep asking them and keep on them. And I was like, well, I'll leave it with you guys, you know, cause I've, I've got some other stuff going on, but I, I, they get back to you like, sure. Like I'll, I'll consider going. Right. So sure enough, um, Julio calls me you know, a couple months later and he goes, Hey, like, um, they want us for August. And I said, what do you mean that they want us? He goes like the whole foundation, like they really want to do this, the angle of the foundation coming over. And I was like, oh, wow. Like that's that was unexpected kind of like out of nowhere. So I was like, okay, well like, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to the promoters as well. And like, we'll see what they want to do and, and what ideas they have. And um, they're really excited to, to bring us in. And they, they had the show all booked up, you know, months in advance. Like they, they said they would do it earlier. So everything was very um, well put together. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be an awesome experience just to, to go over there. And, you know, Julio and Marco were really keen to show me like where they grew up and, and show me around the Philippines. So I thought, you know, this is not only going to be a cool wrestling tour, but like, it's awesome for like the guys that I'm really good friends with, you know, to show me where they grew up and stuff. So it's going to be a really cool experience in general. So I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. It ended up being one of the best wrestling trips I've had in my career. Right. So how did this, uh, the foundation happen? So who's, who's in the foundation? Well, so the foundation has had a couple, um, a couple of reincarnations. So originally when it was created, uh, we had Orlando Jordan, who was in the WWE and TNA impact for a while. He actually signed with our company to come move over here for six months. Right. So he was a part of, um, of the shows. And originally he was going to be a baby face and have like a long title run. But on his second match here, he actually got a knee injury and um which put him on the shelf for a little bit so he couldn't actually perform so we're trying to figure out ways how we can incorporate him onto the show without him actually wrestling and he pitched the idea of like well why don't i turn heel but what we'll do is 
because I was a baby face at the time. Um, he's almost like do a double turn, like we're working together. Um, well, sorry, we're working against each other, but ended up being a big plot to be a part of each other and would start a, like a heel group and we'll go from there. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of idea. So we, we threw some ideas around like what the foundation was going to be. Was it going to be sort of like NWO-ish where there's a whole bunch of members and it just caused chaos. And I was like, oh, it's, it's been done so many times in so many different places. I was like, why don't we do like a four horsemen gimmick where, you know, you're kind of like the Ric Flair, I'm like the Triple H, and then we bring up like the younger guys like Chris Target and Josh Page. Mm. And he's like, oh, that's like a really good idea. So they can like, you know, be under our wing. We can like teach them stuff, but also get the, get the group over as well. So the original foundation was Orlando Jordan, myself, Chris Target, and Josh Page. Um, so we ended up having quite a good run for a while. And then when Orlando left, um, the foundation went on the shelf for a while, but then I brought it back a couple of years later with some new up and coming guys, uh, James Grace and TJ Maxx and Chris Target. So this time the roles had changed a little bit now. Like I was a more experienced target was the one that was kind of in that triple H role. Um, and the other two were like up and coming. So that was the idea for that. That went really well. And then when that ran its course, it, it kind of came to an end. So the foundation at that point looked like it was, it was done and dusted. Um, now we moved forward a couple of years later. Um, I was about to have my twin boys. So I was very going to be very busy with that. So I had to take a step back from, you know, running the company cause I couldn't do it anymore. So AW actually ended up getting sold. Right. Um, so the company got sold and we we're trying to come up with ways that we're going to, Oh, the, the booker at the time wanted something, different to end one of the, the big shows. And I was like, well, if you want to do something shocking, like I can turn heel, we can do the foundation thing and we can do a foundation you know, relaunch and, and take down this new company. And he thought, oh, that's, that's an awesome idea. This is fantastic. This is great. Who do you want to end this time? And I was like, well, I want Julio and Marco because they're like the tag team guys and then me and Target and like, that's all we need for now um, to get it off the ground. So he was like, yep, yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, and so that's where the foundation was started. Um, unfortunately, under his booking, it didn't quite go the way that it should have gone down here, but we still got, we still got the chance to show everyone what we could do in the Philippines as a group. Right. So uh, I split that flight. Again, another awesome time. We got, had that, that chance in the Philippines to, to do that. So is Julio and Marco brothers? They are. Yeah, they're, they're real life brothers. <laughs> it's not a Kane and Undertaker situation. It's actual blood brothers. That were, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, so uh, Andrew, what was your first impression when you landed in the Philippines and when you like came out of the airport? Yeah, I was. Because, um, well, the way Julio put it over, he goes, oh, it's going to be a total culture shock. Like, you're not going to be ready for it. So I was expecting anything, but... Um, it was actually very different to what I expected it to be. Right. I thought it might be a bit similar to, to Bali, um, to anyone that's like done tourist stuff in Bali, but it was actually very different. The traffic was, we got in the worst time possible. Um, the traffic, we took, I think, two hours just to get to our hotel, which wasn't that far away. Right. And uh, all I remember in the, in the car was Julio just going, oh, welcome to Manila traffic. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is what you're talking about. Um, but no, it was, it was actually very different to what I expected it to be like, it was, it was really awesome. There's so much culture there. And, mm. You know, um, 
considering like it's it's so modern and it's just like so many different parts of like the philippines um that we got to experience it was like really cool like to go to yeah just all these different places like where julio grew up it was like a, a poorer um town in the philippines so like you saw one side and then we saw like the city of manila which is like a completely different other side so just to experience all the different cultures you know in the one country was like amazing and it wasn't that far of a drive from those different places as well so yeah but i, I actually really loved it there it's um yeah just getting around was really easy like the yeah. sightseeing was great like the people were so friendly like when we were there so it was just yeah we had such a good time did you enjoy the food yeah oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh it's amazing they um <laughs> Julio said, like, no matter what, we're going to Jollibee. You have to go to Jollibee. It's like the, the Philippine tradition. So, like, we did. And it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we tried some, like, the street food. And, like, obviously, like, when we saw his family, they, they put together this huge feast. And we got to try, like, all sorts of stuff. So, it was really, really cool. Yeah, the food was amazing. Because what Filipinos like to do is it's eat. Because food is it's a big part of what, uh, you know, Philippine families do. So every weekend, yeah. that's all about food. So it's, uh, <laughs> we know really how to Yeah, oh, we, we were full the whole time, especially at his family's house. You know, they brought out so much different food. We're just like, I don't know how we're going to eat this all. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I think, I think you, uh, when you feed us at the hotel as well, like we had the all-you-can-eat, like Mexican food and drinks. And so, so it was just nonstop, like food all the time. So it was, it was awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Uh, We've been going, uh, so for, for me, I, I, I grew up in the, you know, in the 90s with watching those uh, early, late 90s, all these wrestling matches and uh, Undertaker and Hulk Hogan and all these old, I remember WCW a lot because they used to play that in the TV before. And then all, yeah. over the years, I sort of lost interest of wrestling. And uh, because I think after the Attitude Era, there was a period that it was not really... I don't know. It, it didn't feel really entertaining. So, yeah, what happened, yeah. But what happened is few years ago, my son became a f- sort of got interested in wrestling. He started watching, you know, YouTube videos and all these wrestling matches. And he, he could, he, he's able to talk about all the wrestlers. He knew all the wrestlers, all these wrestlers, WrestleMania, like winners and losers. He knows all of this. And then he got interested yeah. back on, on the wrestling. So I support started supporting him, you know, buying magazines and stuff like that. Yeah. And then we, we actually went to almost like all the events of PWR like every month because it's a monthly thing. So all of us at home, we go like my wife, my even my like father-in-law, everybody goes to that wrestling yeah, event yeah. every month. It's a family thing. We go there. And then after that, we had dinner after the event. So it's, it was a really good thing. I, one thing that I'm really missing in the pan, pandemic is that sort of experience because it's not hap- there's nothing to do now like that, right? So PWR was really uh, very good that the monthly event that they were doing was really amazing. They, were, they did a really good job. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's such a difference from, you know, watching on TV to being there live, you know? It's like, you can watch WWE, it's pretty cool, but then... When you're sitting ringside at you know BWR and like you're seeing all the action in front of you and you're hearing the slams and like the noise, it's it's just an experience that's that's so right. awesome and they do yeah. such a great job there you know, of making it such a, a big deal. Yeah, and then and every month you know at, at the end of the show there's a click cliffhanger 
and then you have to wait a month to see what's the what's what's going yeah. to happen right so it's uh, yeah yeah <laughs> so what i really loved when you guys i mean you guys challenged the foundation basically challenged the each 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 of the championships in the philippine pwr right yeah. so you guys and then um, i think you also had another another person right kila kila was also part of your tour right kila yeah um, yeah so i i really loved when you when you wrestled with quattro because i think in pwr i think quattro is like one of the best wrestlers of pwr so what yeah. what do you think about that match with quattro ah uh, it just it just worked so well um i think again one of the things that was so different um in the pwr locker room particularly is the guys were so willing to learn as well you know like so many times i'll go to shows in australia like america and a lot of the guys like they think they they know everything so like they don't want to hear what you have to say or like give any advice because they're so so stubborn but we went to the locker room in pwr everybody was so interested to hear like our stories and and our feedback of like the matches and just little things that we could do to help improve what they were doing um and just, you know just getting a chance because again we didn't see anybody until like that day so a lot of people think oh wrestling you know you practice everything beforehand and you know right. you have weeks of anticipation like no you know i met quattro maybe uh the show started what like five o'clock i think it was um yes yeah, so i would have met him at like 3:30 and we just put everything together in the back so it was no like didn't get a chance to go in the ring and like and practice anything it was just you know putting it all together and you know he was just so willing to to learn and understand like why we would do things and and help him with stuff and you know so i knew the match was going to go great and then just the atmosphere in there just added so much more the the, the river nation of fans were absolutely incredible like everything we gave to them they were responding to so like you know it just everything flowed so well and um like i said that was one of the huge things i loved about pwr the atmosphere of the fans the locker room of the guys willing to to learn and you know just improve their game and listen to advice it was just such a good feeling um and you just felt like as soon as you performed there like you were part of something special like yeah the crowd was so welcoming and they they wanted to hear from us as well and it was just yeah just all around like I said an awesome experience for so reasons yeah i mean they had a really good run also they had they they had like so much improvement every show was like getting better and better like the last yeah. show was like so big which which they had tj perkins uh, was there yeah, right yeah <clears throat> yeah, yeah I'll, i'll keep a, a close eye on after we left and um you know just again just giving feedback to to guys that wants to hear it and when they brought tj perkins in i was like oh they're going to they're going to have an awesome show like this is going to be one like one to remember and yeah it looked from what i seen it looked like it was amazing and like once again right So you guys played the I think you guys your match was like in August last year 2019 right August I believe yeah so yeah. the the show before that my my son's birthday was on July July so I I asked PWR if they can do something special for him because he was a, is such a big fan of PWR so we uh, you know like the half time of the show so he, they invited him to come on stage and then his favorite wrestler chris i think you know chris panzer so he yes, bought yeah. he bought his his cake and you know we we made him a cake with the john cena and seth rollins cake so 
he was so happy that day because that was like his i think he he i think it's one of his like favorite moments because like his oh, favorite yeah. wrestlers coming in and you know wishing him everybody was like singing the happy birthday and he was so so happy <laughs> And see, and that's that's one of the things I love about independent wrestling as well. You know, like you get the chance to do things like that. Like if WWE came to town, you know, and you and you sent them an email saying, "Hey, can we do this?" Like you'd probably never right. get back from them. But like to make something so special like that, like he's gonna remember that like forever. Yeah. You know? And like you got to do that at, at those kind of shows, which which why I think they're so much more special because you get stuff like that to to take place. Yeah. One thing I one thing I'm really proud of is that I I bought. last last year i bought my son to the wwe in singapore because singapore had a show and uh, yeah. and he was able to like you know shake hands with seth rollins and all these fav- his favorites and he was like uh now looking back now that there's a pandemic and we are not sure when these things will come back so it's it seems like yeah. it's really feel great that we have we've taken that opportunity to like experience that right so Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you just kind of take for granted until the, the pandemic hit. And right. You just think, well, I'm so glad like we did that. You know, like traveling here, I don't think they're going to let anyone in Australia travel for like maybe a couple of years. Like we, we don't right. know. And, uh, you know, so you think, man, I'm so glad I got to go to the Philippines and go to South Korea and go to these places before like, you know, it was, it was too late. So, um, yeah, just to look back at experiences like that, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing that, that you got to do it things so and andrew when you when you had your like when you knew that you're going to have kids uh like did your attitude change towards wrestling your mindset were you trying to play safe or you you had some some sort of a shift in your the way you look at wrestling after you had kids or you were- a little bit yeah it was very more cautious about like my health in general like you know before like we got injured, we just tape it up and go, you know, like you got a concussion, you still make the town the next night and, you know, you work yeah. around it. So it was very, it was a very different shift. You know, you're like, you're responsible for, for human lives. Uh, you, you do change a little bit. So I was very more, a lot more cautious about, you know, doing things that might be risky or like that could potentially end dangerously. Yeah. Um, so it did change up a little bit, but not, not too dramatically. Right. Um, but like I said, when I got the concussions, that's what I really had to have a, have a think about, like right. the future. If they weren't here, I'd probably still be doing it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I want to be able to, to give my kids the best life and, and still be there and still be present for them. So right. um, it definitely makes you, yeah, you know, change your attitude on a few things. So your your kids know what you do. Like you you're a wrestler. Do they know? And are they interested of wrestling? I uh, I don't think they quite understand it just yet. Like it's still just you know something that they see, but I don't think they realize like oh it's it's different to like what a lot of other people do because right. they're they're still they're only two and a half, so they're still very very young. Right. Um, but I think one day you know they'll they'll probably get into it more. Like I think wrestling's in their blood because ever since they were born they'll like wrestle each other. <laughs> and you know I'm like oh man like their technique is actually already good. You know at one years old so. I think there's a little bit of it in their blood, but um, we'll have to see what happens over time. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, Andrew, I want to ask you about this uh, blog uh, that you are doing uh, called Shark Tales. So, can you tell me a little bit about how it started and what's what what's your sort of writing in the blogs? Yeah, absolutely. So, when I made my announcement that um, 
I was pretty much retired from wrestling. Um, the pro wrestling post actually approached me and said, Hey, like, um, we, you know, we're trying to get interesting blogs up and like, you know, you, you've got a lot of different stories from your career. Like, how do you feel about, about writing some blogs? And at first I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm not the best writer. Like I'm a better storyteller than actually like writing right. stuff down. So I thought oh, it might be a bit tricky. You know, plus trying to find the time with like kids and like everything else that's going on. I was like, oh, I'll write one and, and kind of see how I feel about it. And we'll go from there. Um, so my goal was, okay, I'll write, you know, one or two, see how I feel about it and, and go from there. But it was really cool to look back and reflect on those stories. Cause a lot of times in the wrestling business, it's go, go, go. And it's like, what's happening next? So, right. you know, you finish one show and it's like, that's finished now. Now I'm ready for this one and we're going to like move forward and move forward. And a lot of time you don't really get a chance to look back and go, man, this was a really cool experience or this happened or this happened, you know, cause you're just living it at that time. Right. So actually sit there and go, man, like, yeah, I sat 20 hours on a plane to go to Canada and then, you know, do the training with Lance and then go here and then wrestle this guy. You know, it just brings back like all of these memories, like the stories that, you know, I probably only shared with like a couple of close friends and now, you know, I can share with the rest of the world. So it's, it's really good now that I'm retired, you know, to, to be able to look back and go, wow, this happened. And then you, you, know, you start writing and you start having more memories about what took place there. So for me, it's a really good way to reflect. And what I'm trying to do is go from the very start of my career um, up until like the very end, because I've been wrestling for 15 years now. And there's a lot of stories, you know, in those times that I think people would find very interesting. You know, at the time I, had my first WWE tryout and the difference from the first one to the last one I did, um, you know, the stuff with working with House of Hardcore and, you know, um, being on the creative team with someone like Vince Russo, mm. you know, just like so many different stories um, throughout that time. Um, so it's, it's cool not only to look back, but just give fans like an insight of what was going on, you know, and a kayfabe story from behind the scenes that you got. Right. <clears throat> so um andrew so what's uh uh you know it's all i i think you said perth is actually getting better with the with the pandemic situations and covid and uh, so what sort of uh what sort of you're looking forward to uh any anything that you're working on or you're uh focusing on um so like I said, at, at the moment so because i'm not wrestling so much in ring um i thought i might be out of the wrestling business like you know, that that chapter's closed, but there's stuff that always you know brings me back in. Um, at the moment, I've been doing a few consulting jobs for a couple of my my friends in the United States um, who have promotions. So I've kind of got back into like you know giving them advice and like going over some of their booking stuff and just you know be able to give back um, to some of the guys up there. So like I've I've caught the bug again, um, so it's there. So now it's basically just waiting to see what happens with with COVID. Mm. Um, you know, here in Perth, we were very lucky. The the state governor shut down our border. So nobody could come into Perth and nobody could leave until the cases went down. So I think as of right now, there's like 16 cases in, in the whole of Western Australia. So right. like they've done a really good job of protecting um, the state. And we've only just opened up our borders again, I think at the end of the month to the rest of Australia. So people from other states can start to come in. Um, because their, their cases have gone down. So it is a slow process, but things are starting to open up. And now that things are opening up, you know, it's kind of getting exciting again. You know, hey, 
Maybe we could do something here. Maybe we go there. Um, so it's just keeping an eye on things that are opening up and, and taking advantage of them. Right. <clears throat> so what's, uh, Andrew, what's your message to the viewers? A um, lot of, a lot of Filipino wrestlers, uh, wrestling fans will watch this podcast. So what's your message to them, especially? <laughs> uh, I just want to say that hopefully the pandemic is over and everything's up that I can come back and, and bring some of my guys with me back again to the Philippines. because I definitely want to come back after the, the last tour I had, but you know, thank you for all your support. You know, thank you for going to the shows you know, in the Philippines and like helping that local wrestling. Cause again, you might think our oh, local wrestling might not be that good, but those guys are killing it. You know, they're having amazing shows, like it's an amazing atmosphere and you know, just to help, you know, get the local wrestling scene booming. It's, it's, it's going to be great for everybody. So thank you for your support, you know, keep killing it and, and keep supporting wrestling. Cause I think there's going to be another boom happening pretty soon. You know, like, um, the UK, you know, they've always had a strong wrestling scene, but maybe like 10 years ago, they had like a really big boom and, and now it's, it's still thriving. Mm-hmm. And I think Australia is going to be one of the companies next to, to really kick things off here because there's so much talent here as well. But, you know, Southeast Asia is kicking off and you know, the guys in the Philippines are, are killing it. So just keep at it and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get wrestling back up to, to where it was in its heyday. Right. So, Andrew, anybody you want to specially shout out? Well, it's weird because, you know, normally I'm where you are. So, like, I've done some stuff in the past. Like, I've had a radio show and I've done some stuff where, you know, I always give those guys a shout-out. So, it's weird to be sitting in this spot, you know, going, hey, like, we'll give a shout-out. But, um, you know, obviously, uh, I adopted the YOLO twins when I was up there. So, they're, like, my Filipino boys now. Like, they're – I'm taking them under my wing, so I'll give them a shout-out. Of course, Quattro, I hope he's doing well. Um, thank you again for the match. And of course, like all my boys, yeah, I see them all the time, but I'll, I'll give them a shout out. You know, Chris Target, right. he's like my main man over here, James Grace, Killer, Julio, Marco, all the boys, like just giving you guys a shout out as well, just because. Right. <laughs> so, Andrew, I, this, this was so uh, great that we talked because I wanted to do this for some time. So, uh, thanks for joining this. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. Uh, so, looking forward to seeing you and Tell everyone how they can read your blog, uh, where they can see your blog. Yeah, absolutely. So the website is prowrestlingpost.com. Um, once you go on there, you'll, better, you'll see Shark Tales um, under the blog section. So yeah, Pro Wrestling Post. Otherwise, if you get that, I'm on social media. Everything is pretty similar. It's just Andrew Shark Carter. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all the same. So yeah, give us a follow, send us a message if you want to say hey. But yeah, Andrew Shark Carter, that's, uh, yes, yeah, all through the board. So come say hello. Yeah. So thank you, Andrew. Uh, stay safe. Uh, see you soon. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Talk again soon. <laughs> Thanks.